Thank you guys so much, uh, worship team, Jana, and um, orchestra, and choir, and everybody just sounded fantastic. Thank you so much. What a blessing it is to uh, be in God's house with God's people, preach God's Word, and see the Holy Spirit of God move and minister and work in our midst. If you have your Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you don't have a copy of, of God's uh, Word, then you can look up on the screen. We're going to print the, um, uh, the Scriptures there for you to read. Uh, we are currently in a series of messages called CrossFit, and we are nearing the end of this series of messages. We've already looked at the cross, the C-R-O-S-S, uh, cross, redemption, others, and then we talked about uh, salvation and story. That is the acronym or the acrostic. The FIT stands for find your place. And then the I talks about what we're looking at today, investing our life in others, this great investment. And T stands for train. So that's the acrostic CrossFit. And we're looking at basically the, the basic axioms and the rudiments, the fundamentals of the faith of Christianity is what CrossFit's all about. It's making disciples followers of Jesus Christ, who in turn are discipled and blessed so that they can go and make even more disciples. The text we're going to read today, it's just phenomenal. I'm, I'm, I'm finding in, the older I get and when I'm invited to go, if I'm traveling, if I'm preaching somewhere, it seems like the Holy Spirit always puts this text upon my heart to preach to the congregation of God that He leads me to. And so I've preached on this text here at Great Hills, and I hope I get to preach it again uh, in the future because it is so basic, it's so fundamental to what it means to be a radiant church. A radiant church is a church, a body of Christ that is very passionate about worshiping God, not only on Sundays, but also uh, during the week, throughout the week, the way we live our life, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through till Sunday again. Sunday is just kind of the pinnacle of praise, the apex where we come together as the body of Christ as we celebrate worshiping Almighty God from the time that we've had with Him during the week by ourselves to the times we get to come together and worship. That's, that's very, very important for a church to focus on worship. Secondly is discipleship, inward in discipleship. Discipleship means growing deep in our relationship with God. It's not an anemic, a tepid faith. It is a vibrant faith. It is a faith that is rooted deeply in the Scriptures. It is a faith that we not only believe, but we, we live it out. We actuate it with our actions. We believe in God. We're worshiping God, and we're studying His Word. And that's why we call it upward in worship, but inward in our discipleship, in our own personal growth relationship with God. And then when that happens, and I would contend that it's only when those things happen that we are energized and empowered to truly be a radiant church, and that is to shine, to shine outward, to be this blast of hope and encouragement to a dark world. And we do this through evangelism, we do it through missions, we do it through ministry, we do it through service. And so today, we're going to look sort of like that, that second component. What does it really mean to be inward in our discipleship, where we're growing deep in our walk with God? So I hope today that you're encouraged. I also hope that you're challenged. This really is a message for the Christ follower, for someone who knows the Lord. You may be a guest here today. You may be from out of, out of town or out of state, and so you're visiting your loved ones, and we're so glad that you're here. You may be listening to us online, or you, you'll watch this message in a few weeks on KBVO when we broadcast this sermon here in the greater Austin area. It, it doesn't matter to me how you get it. Man, I just want you to get this message. I want, you, I want this message to so penetrate your heart that it would be a landmark day for you as a follower of Christ. You would say, you know, on that day, on that November the 27th, when I had a turkey hangover, I, I just ate so much turkey, so much food. It was like my, my mind was just not really focused, but the Spirit of God, I mean, He, he just came into my mind and to my heart, and the Word of God was preached, and I understood Maybe for the very first time I understood my purpose on this earth. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I am to obey His command to be a disciple maker. And so let, let me go ahead and say something that's going to offend some of you. So I want to go ahead and get that out of the way, okay? Let me, let me do this. 
because some of you are going to be very offended by what I'm about to say, but I want to offend you and I want to take the rest of the 50 minutes or whatever it is I have to, to, to help you, to encourage you because I've offended you. Okay, here's the offense. If you are a follower of Christ and you're not discipling someone else, you're out of the will of God. If you are knowing Jesus and you're walking with him and you are not, women, listen to me, if you are a woman of God and you're not pouring into another young woman of God or a woman of faith, then you're out of the will of God. If you're a man and you know Jesus and you're walking with Jesus and you love him, but you're not pouring into another man or you're not discipling him, you're out of the will of God. You say, well, wait a minute. That's not my Christianity. My Christianity is more about just, you know, me and God, and we're okay. And, you know, I come to church, and I worship God, and, and I give my tithes and my offerings. But, man, I don't know about all this pouring into others. That's your job. <laughs> That's your job, preacher. You're supposed to do that. And you know what? You're absolutely right. You're unequivocally right. That is my job. And I do it not only publicly, but I do it personally and privately. I meet with other men. In fact, every young man of God that has surrendered to the ministry here, I've met with him and I've poured into him and I've discipled him, including my own son. Thursday mornings, we get together and we teach the book of Proverbs and I have a good time, but the, really the sweet time is when we break up into small groups, men with men, and we're pouring into one another and discipling one another. Let, let me share something with you that you may not know, there are multiple groups of men with men and women with women, students with students, who are discipling one another through this radiant church. And I'm telling you what, guys, that is awesome. That's what God has called us to do. God has called us not to live in isolation. God has not called us just to have a lone ranger kind of Christianity or just me and God and that's all. No, God has called us to be in community. God has called us to be in fellowship. And God has called every one of us as a follower of Jesus Christ to make sure that we're helping and we're discipling and we're pouring in to other Christians who they can take what they have received from us and they can go and share it with another person. That's Christianity 101. That's the fundamentals, the basic axioms of the faith. And I want to posit this to you. The reason we're in so much trouble in America today, it's not because of politics, it's because we're not doing our job. We as followers of Christ are not discipling one another in their faith. If you don't believe it's true, what if I were to ask you to raise your hand today? If you are not discipling somebody, then a bunch of hands would be going up. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit deal with you, okay? Okay, now that you're mad, okay, now that, that you're upset, arms are folded, scowls on the faces, bad men upset, say, well, prove it to me. Prove it to me that that's what I as a Christian is supposed to do. Thank you for asking. Jesus said, before I go back to the Father, I give you this command, go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and anybody know that next word? Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So here's how we do it. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. I just get so jacked up about this. And it's not the emergency I just drank. I got one of those little things, a little, it's got lots of vitamins in it. And maybe I shouldn't drink that before I preach, but man, I feel good. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. Paul says, Timothy, I'm about to die. I'm about to go and be with Jesus. It's AD 67, the last thing I'll ever write. What was the last thing you would ever write? You think there would be pathos and passion? You think there would be urgency and immediacy? Do you think that you would say, listen to me carefully. What I'm about to say is the last words that I will ever write. It's the great apostle Paul says, you therefore, my son, Timothy, dunamis, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And here it is, 2 Timothy 2, 2. One of the most ignored, neglected verses in all of Christendom. The things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit, deposit, set forth these things to faithful men who will then be able to teach others also. That's Discipleship 101. Take what I've given you, Timothy, 
and then you teach it to others, and then they teach it to others, and they teach it to others, and that's how Christianity is perpetuated. By the way, that's how you got here. <laughs> Somebody received the gospel in your family or some pastor in your church. Somebody shared the gospel with you. They perpetuated the gospel. You got saved, and now you're supposed to do the same thing. You're supposed to take the gospel and share it with others, and when they receive it, you, you disciple them, you mold them, you shape them into the image of Christ. You, therefore, must endure hardship. That's why we don't do it, church. It's hard. That's why we don't make disciples, because it's hard work. It takes our Christianity out of, you know, just, just me, and it bursted upon other people. It takes my relationship with God, and it moves it out of the sanctuary, and it puts it right into the lap of where people live. And that's why we don't do it, because it's hard work. He says, you endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. No. The reason he does this is because he wants to please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And if anybody competes in athletics, church, don't miss this. He's gone from teaching to soldiering. Now he's going to talk about athleticism. Then he's going to talk about a farmer. All of those things have a common theme, and that is it takes work. It takes effort. It takes energy. And Paul is pouring out his life to Timothy. He says, Timothy, everything within you is going to rebel against this. Everything within you is going to say, let somebody else do this. I don't want to do this, but you've got to do it, Timothy. As a good pastor in Ephesus, you have to do this. And those men that you teach, they got to pass it on to other men. Now, if you compete in athletics, you're not crowned unless you compete according to the rules, right? The copios, that hard work and that adjective copios, it means to work to the point where you are fatigued. How many of us are doing that? <laughs> How many of us in our Christianity are so invested in the lives of others that we're worn out, that we're just tired because we're calling those new believers? Dave Brandt, God bless you, brother. May your tribe increase. You're, you, this guy's doing the deal. He's calling people. He's investing in people. He's pouring into people's lives and making disciples. And praise God, I wish I had a whole church like you. That we would do that. We would take this thing seriously and just pour it into others and meet with them and encourage them and scold them when they do wrong and love on them. And it takes time. It takes effort. Let me, let me ask you again. Who are you doing this with? Ladies, who are you meeting with? Who are you calling and checking on? Guys, who are we meeting with? Who are we talking to? Who are we discipling so that they can go and disciple somebody else? The hardworking farmer must be the first. He'll be the first to partake of the crops. Consider the fourth imperative command that Paul uses in this pericope. The fourth imperative command. In this message on making disciples, he is using this. It's like this. Man, I'm about to die. Man, I'm about to go be with God, and, and I want you to get this disciple. And Jesus is saying, I'm about to go back to the Father. Go make disciples. Pour into others. Pass the faith along. Consider that that's an imperative command. When you look at it, the Greek New Testament is the only time this word's ever used in the Bible. That's significant, is it not? The only time that word is used is right there. It means to comprehend cognitively with the mind. It means to observe. It means to make sure that you grasp this, that you understand this. Understand what I say, Timothy. Pour into others who will pour into others. You see, Paul's a genius. And may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Paul knows if Timothy gets this, <laughs> Christianity's in good hands. It doesn't matter what emperor comes to Rome. It doesn't matter what persecution befalls the church. It doesn't matter what heresies may try to creep in. If we are making disciples who are making other disciples, then glory to God, we will win. And if we don't do this, we will lose. And that's why we're losing. In the church, in America today, 
Hey, friend, don't, don't, please don't think just because the person you voted for got into the White House. That don't mean jack unless you do this. Unless you make disciples who will make more disciples. Yeah, yeah, I voted for that guy too, and I'm glad he's in the White House. And I'm praying for him every single day, just like I prayed for Obama. But I'm telling you, my hope is not in Trump. My hope is not in some politics. My hope is only in Jesus. And I'm here. I'm here to love him and serve him and pour my life into you. That's why I'm here. That's why God's left me here. And as long as God leaves me here, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep Oh, Holy Spirit, help me. If I'm supposed to say that, would you remind me to say that later? Because that is intense. Okay, thank you. I am here just, I'm having a conversation with God as I talk. I'm just letting y'all in on it just a little bit, all right? Pouring into others, discipling others. He gives four commands, four analogies, and he closes it with the word of commitment. So I'm getting my tooth worked on Tuesday. Really, my tooth broke. I was, I'm, last Sunday, it was the craziest thing, and I was toothless. It was weird. I kept feeling that there was nothing there. And so I go see Dr. Diabody. Praise the Lord for Dr. Justin Diabody. I love that guy. He has helped me so much. And so I go to his office, and four hours later, I walk out. I'm taking ibuprofen, man. I'm, I'm telling you, this is, this is no fun. Still weird. I'm feeling it. I'm standing there in the reception area. You know how you go and they work on you. You go, stand, go wait in the waiting room, get the tooth ready, and they put it on you. And I hear somebody say, hello, Pastor Danny. I was like, what is that? What is that? Who is this? And Hartsfield, God bless you, Ross and Tanya. It's your daughter, Sarah. She's walking through. She goes, hello, Pastor Danny. I'm like, well, hello, Sarah. And she said, can I just tell you something? <laughs> she said, I'm so proud of my church. I'm so, thank you for placing such an emphasis on discipleship. And I was like, well, well, well thank you. I appreciate you sharing that. And so we got to talking and we got to fellowshipping. We got to having church right out there in the reception. I said, let's just pray. You said, well, people notice you when you do that. I don't care. The older I get, the less I care what people think. I just, I just want to make sure I'm pleasing God, okay? If I'm pleasing God, the rest of it's going to take care of itself. So I'm praying out loud. And then she said, you mind if I pray for you? And I was like, whoa, how many attorneys from Washington, D.C. are going to pray out loud in a dentist office? Praise God. So she prays out loud. Praise for me, Ashley. Praise for you. Praise for our kids. Praise for our church. In Jesus' name, she prays. Amen. And I'm like, where'd you learn that? <laughs> how, how'd, how'd you get to that point? Let me tell you how. She had a mom and a dad that discipled her. She had a church preach the Word of God to her. She had other women pouring into her, and now she is a champion, a warrior princess for Jesus. Listen, guys, this stuff works. If you believe it, if you believe the Word of God and you believe that it can really make a difference in your life to the point where you are mature, you're walking with God, and, and, and you're impacting others, it, it revolutionizes you. So, Real quick, this, this sermon is just like just all over me. I probably don't even need my notes today. I'm just like, it's just like, God, please help me get this right. I hope you receive this. The commands are, number one, he says, be strong. Dunamis is the Greek word. It's the same word he uses when he told young Timothy in 1.7, he says, for God... It's not given us a spirit of phob phobia, phobos, not fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? Power, dunamis, love, and a sound mind. Be strong, he says. If you're going to take upon this mantle of discipleship, you're going to have to be strong in the grace. The grace that's, listen to this, the same grace that saved you is the grace that will sanctify you and empower you to be a disciple maker. So be, be strong. It's going to take uh, strength to do this. Um, 
you know, I, I, it would take the, the strength of the Spirit of God in you to commit to taking what you've received and giving it to others. So, number one, be, be strong. Have dunamis. Have the very power of God pulsating in you. Number two, commit. Commit to it, Timothy, and trust others. This is a financial term, a fiduciary term. It means to make a deposit. Take that which you have been given and deposit it into the life uh, of another. Think macro with me for just a moment. This is what church is supposed to be about. The pastor, teacher, is supposed to be systematically teaching you the Word of God so that you can receive it and give it to others. Ooh, that's what I was going to say. I forgot. Look, look at this. Sarah, in the reception area, she said, my pastor just got back from sabbatic, and he's a different guy. He is so committed to discipleship, evangelism, and discipleship. And then Tim Hawks, my good friend over at Hill Country Bible Church, he told us the other day, he goes, God has put it on my heart. He said, we got to get back to the fundamentals. we got to get back to the basics. And I'm going to lead Hill Country to focus on being a disciple who makes more disciples. What? Spirit of God. Same Spirit of God that's putting it on those men's heart is putting it on your pastor's heart. I just got it. I got infected with it, brothers and sisters. I just got a good dose of being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, and leading you to do the same thing. And it takes strength to do that. And God is empowering us to do it. Okay, that's what I was going to share. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me of that. So commit, be faithful, and, 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 and macro as pastor, teacher. Connect group leader, small group leader, macro, but think micro, one-on-one, -on -one. eyeball to eyeball. How's your walk with God? Who have you shared the gospel with this week? How are you treating your wife, sir? How's your walk with God? How's your work going? How's your wellness going? Those questions of discipleship and accountability, I have men ask me that every week, and I'm glad they do. There are times during the week when I haven't shared the gospel with somebody, I'm thinking, I'm going to have five guys looking at me on Thursday morning saying, who have you witnessed to, Pastor? And I'll have to say nobody. Then I go witness to somebody. You say, that is not a very good motivation to witness. I think it's fine. <laughs> it got me out of my lethargy. It got me into the realm of accountability. So I go and share, like with Kevin yesterday, shared the gospel with a 19-year-old. He's close close to receiving Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And I'm accountable to God, and I'm accountable to you. By the way, you need a pastor that's going to share his faith. I'm just, just letting you know, okay? You say all pastors share their faith. No, they don't, unfortunately. Ninety-plus percent of the people in the church don't do it. And I would say a lot of us guys in the ministry have, have, have jettisoned the basic presentation of the gospel one-on-one -on -one with people. You, we got to do this. And we have to commit to it, commit to others. Now, just think, if you are running track and you're in, let's say you're in college. True story, John MacArthur. Y'all know John MacArthur? Great pastor, California Grace Community Church. When he was in college, he was an athlete. He was a collegiate runner for his university. He was running a four-by, I think it was 100 relay. He was number two. He was the second runner in the relay. He said, our first guy did great. He took off. He ran his leg, ran his lap. I forget the, the actual metrics of it, whether it's 100 or 400, whatever it is. He runs. He hands it to me. Are y'all with me? Are you, church, you got me? Y'all saw the Olympics a few weeks ago, didn't you? Hand it off, right? What's that guy do? He takes it. And what does he do? He runs, and he hands it off to that guy, right? What does he do? He takes it. The third guy took the baton, put it down, and went and sat down in the infield of the track. And John MacArthur, in fact, I printed this off um, Kathy did, actually. Thank you, Kathy, for printing this off for me. 
Soon after, I passed off the baton to the third man, one of our best runners. He stopped, walked onto the infield, and he sat down. Our first horrified thought was, he hurt himself. He's pulled his hamstring. He's twisted an ankle. I ran across the field, and I said, what happened? And he said, I don't know. I just didn't feel like running today. Understandably, his teammates, the coach, and everyone else from our college, we were sick. We were sickened and disgusted. How could you do that, we asked. Well, I don't know. Just didn't feel like running today. Don't you know that you're not just representing yourself, but your team and your school? Have you forgotten all the time that our coach has invested in us, that we as your teammates, we've invested to get here with you? Have you forgotten that? How could you, in one brief, selfish second, destroy all of that? I don't know. Just was, felt like making a point today, and so I decided not to run. And then MacArthur makes this statement. On an infinitely more important level, countless leaders in the church have simply dropped out of the Lord's service, some with no better reason than the apathy of that collegiate runner, end of quote. Mm. Man, I don't want to be that guy at church. Please, y'all don't let me be that guy. I don't, Patrick. Sir, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy who drops the baton, quits running, goes and sits and sours and soaks and sick. I don't want to do that. Some of you do that. And I don't like y'all doing that. I don't like you not passing the faith alone. Some of you have sit down on Christ. And you're done. You've checked out. Why don't God just kill you and take you home? Quit doing that. Get up. Man, praise God. Just get up. Get that baton and take off, man. Start running. Pass the faith on to another person. We've got to do this. Great Hills Baptist Church, Radiant Church, call us whatever you want to call us. We've got to do this. We've got to take the gospel, share it with somebody else. Daniel, come on, man. We got to invest in somebody, and then they've got to share the gospel until the whole city hears the gospel. That's the hope for Austin, Texas. That's our hope. But you got to be strong. You got to be committed. You got to. You got to entrust. Notice, there's another command. He says, "Don't be a pansy. Don't be a. Don't be a." Don't be a weakling. Endure hardship. Yes, it's going to be hard, Timothy. If it was easy, every church in Ephesus, every, every pastor and every Christian in Ephesus would do this in your church, Timothy. It's not easy. But you got to hang in there and you got to do it. The Bible says in Proverbs 24.10, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. The Bible the Bible doesn't say this, but my notes say, read this. <laughs> I don't know what y'all do when y'all preach, but I write myself notes. And I, so it says, oh, I don't know if I'm, hold on just a second, let me think about that one. Okay, I thought about it. Some think, think I cannot, you cannot imagine that you could possibly disciple another person in light of all that you've got going on in your life. You would tell me, I don't have it all together. I could never start meeting with somebody and helping him or her grow in Christ. But can I just let you in on a little secret? You don't have to have it all together. There's only one person who had it all together, and that was Jesus. I don't have it all together. Man, if I waited till I got it all together, you'd never get a sermon from me. I'd never disciple another man. Listen to me, church. Don't sell yourself short. You know far more than what you would give yourself credit for. God, how many sermons have you heard? Ladies, how many more, Beth, more Bible studies, precept studies do you need before you pour your life into another woman? I would submit to you, don't take another one. Don't take another Bible study until you practice what you've already studied. Then take another study. 
Yeah, I, tell you, I wasn't mad earlier, but I'm mad now. But you just picked on Beth Moore. Oh, my word. And Kay Arthur, what? Listen, if those women were up here today, would they not say the same thing? Would they not say to you, women, don't worry about taking another one of my studies. Start practicing what you've already studied. You say, but I just don't like that. That's just, I don't like that at all. It just makes me nervous. Get nervous and get over it. Get over yourself. We are so self-consumed. I'm just weak. I don't know. I don't know all the answers. I can never do this. Yes, you can. Here, here's a prayer. God loves to answer church. Listen to this prayer. Boy, God gave me this. Listen, I believe this is from the Lord. God loves to answer this prayer. Oh, Jesus, lead me to somebody I can disciple. He loves that prayer. Have you prayed that prayer? Would you pray that prayer? You say, well... Yeah, I guess. I mean, if that's if that what I'm supposed to be doing, yes, that's what we're all supposed to be doing. Well, I'm busy. So am I. <laughs> I got issues. So do I. Ask Ashley. He's got lots of issues. He's an issue waiting to happen. <laughs> but I get up and I meet and I share and I encourage and I disciple because that's what a follower of Jesus is supposed to do. He says, commit, endure hardship. Yes, it's going to be hard. And finally, the last command in verse 7, I shared with you earlier, consider what I say. Did y'all know that in verse 7? That is an imperative command. Consider, observe with your mind. Make sure you understand this. And then the four analogies, and I'll just go through these quickly. <laughs> Lord's I think I'd be disobedient if I didn't tell you what I'm supposed to tell you. Some consider our church and me a colossal failure. Based on numbers. But I believe God will consider us a colossal success if we make disciples. If we focus more on the depth of our ministry than the width. If we would focus more and be more concerned about us telling somebody about Jesus and seeing that person just see them grow. Then whose applause are we after? Man, I'm after the applause of one. And if God had led me here, and I really believe he, he did lead me here, though I question my sanity and I question my decision-making often, if God did lead me here, and he led me here to help you to become a discipleship church, and that's different. That's vastly different than most churches. Praise God for Tim Hawks. Praise God for the McLean Bible Church guy out in Washington, D.C. Praise God for these, these guys who are getting focused on disciples, depth, growing deep in our relationship with the Lord. I really believe, and I may be wrong, if we did get this right, Mike, Miracle, where are we? If we got this right, we wouldn't have to worry about empty pews. We wouldn't have to worry about superficial, anemic, shallow faith. I believe God would just be all over us. I, I, maybe the Spirit of God is waiting on us, the people of God, to get this right before He entrusts us with baby Christians. Just a thought that I had. What time is it? It's 12 o'clock, okay? So I'm halfway through my sermon. Let me just think through this for just a second. 
Okay, so we're going to look at these four comparisons, and then we're going to, we're going to go. I'm going to go quickly because, number one, the first comparison is that of a teacher in verse 2. He says, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others what I have taught you. And by the way, you can't teach that which you have never heard. You can't pass on something that you haven't received. But Timothy, you have. In Acts 16, verse 4, it says, the decrees to keep which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. I gave you this, Timothy. And now you've got to give this on to others. Jude chapter 3, or only one chapter, verse 3 says, The faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Contend for that. Pass that. Pass that on. Let, let, let me brag on another family in our church. This is one of the cool things. And preacher, you know this far greater than I do. One of the cool things about being in a place with some tenure, some years, you do get to know people. And... Kyle Miller shared this story with me years ago about his son, Kevin, and I've never forgotten it. Kevin, by the way, is out of A&M. He's out of the, the military, as I understand. He's studying to get his law degree and maybe a JAG, so maybe still in the military. I'm, I, don't, I don't know about that, but I know about this, so let, let me go back to this. He was, I think he was still at A&M, and he was on an assignment with the ROTC, and he was in Washington State, and they were in their barracks, and then they would go out into the wilderness. And Kevin would take a flashlight, take a Bible, and he'd read the Bible to these cadets, to these soldiers. And he'd pray with them out in the open wilderness. And then they get in the barracks, he'd say, remember what we read, what we studied. You know what, they began to, they began to call him a name. Hillary, you'll like this, they called him chaplain. <laughs> he ain't no chaplain. He said, I'm not a chaplain. But they said, chaplain, and ooh, listen to this. When they had problems back at home, or they had the, all, even the officers, when they had issues, guess who they would go talk to and ask to pray for? Him. And I thought, where did he learn that? Where did he get all that? He got it from his mom, and from his dad, and from his church. He's a disciple, and he's making other disciples. May his whole, may this tribe increase. Speaking of soldiers, Paul uses another analogy. He says, be like a good soldier. Don't get entangled with the pragmatias of the, of the affairs of this life. And by the way, that, that's the word in verse 4. You see that word, the affairs of this life? The Greek word is pragmatias. It's where we get pragmatics. Don't be, don't be entangled with the pragmatics of this life, but do diligence to please your commanding officer. Boy, will that preach? Could we not just camp out there for about an hour and talk about the commanding officer being Jesus? And I am private for she. That's all I am. I am just a private in the Lord's army. I'm reporting for duty every day saying, King Jesus, what? Come on, church, listen to this. Lord, what are my orders? And maybe the Lord would say, do you have to ask? I've already given you your orders. Go make disciples. Pour into others who will pour into others still until I come again. That is our, that is our marching order. That is our commanding officer giving us a direct command. There will be no insubordination. There will be no rebellion or recalcitrant mean spirit. There will just be obedience, Jesus. If you told me to go run around this campus a hundred times, that's why. And Jesus says, I didn't tell you to do that. I told you to go make disciples. Are you making disciples, church? Ladies, are you investing in any other woman on the planet? There's only seven billion people, about half of them are women. Ladies, are you investing in a woman? Are you teaching other women the, good, the goodness of God? How to be a godly wife? How to be a godly mother? Are you, are you calling her up and saying, how are you doing? How can I pray for you? Hey, let me share this word of God with you, this scripture with you. You say, well, if I knew it was that easy, I would be doing that. Then do it. It is that easy. Well, who am I supposed to do this? Pray, Jesus, show me. Jesus will show you. But if you don't pray it, he ain't going to show you. <laughs> Guys, same thing. 
You say, man, you're making discipleship a whole lot more simple than I, I thought I had to have a PhD in systematic theology. That's the devil. That's the devil. Listen to the Spirit of God say, pour into people. It's not that hard. Yeah, well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Ooh, ooh. Should I say it? You can't pour into others that which you don't possess. If the Spirit of God is not in you, you're not going to have a desire to see the Spirit of God in other people. If you're not growing in your faith, you'll never help another person grow in their faith. Did you hear what I said? Growing, not arrived. Nobody's arrived, we're, but we're good soldiers. Staying with the task. Athletes, the next one. Athletics. Successful athletes, like successful Christians, they're dedicated, they're disciplined, they play according to the rules. The rules, this is the rule book. The rule is meet with people, disciple them. If you don't, then we're not accomplishing our task like an athlete. You know, he, you know, I love these big old offensive linemen. All 500 pounds of them, they're sitting there, and they're getting in there, and before the, the snap of the ball, one of them does this. Y'all ever seen them do that? And they're all by themselves. Blow a whistle on them. False start. The big behemoth, number 74. And the poor guy, you know, the whole world's looking at number 74, and he's just sitting there. He broke the rules. He didn't play according to the rules. Or the guy that dribbles the basketball. You ever seen a guy dribble the basketball, and then he stops dribbling, and he keeps keep going, and then he dribbles again. Traveling. Take it back the other way. You ever seen a baseball pitcher take a ball and throw it instead of to the catcher's mitt? He throws it at the batter and hits the batter, and the umpire comes out from there. You nitwit, you're kicking you out. There's rules. Paul says there are rules in athletics, and when you compete according to the rules, it's good, it's fair, it's right, it's honorable. What is he doing here, church? Is Paul interested in athletics and you and I becoming stellar Olympians? No! No, for heaven's sake. What he's saying is, get back to the basics. Follow this rule book. Pour your life into others who will do the same until I come. This is, a, this is an awesome text, by the way, if you haven't noticed. And then the last one he gives is farmer. Be a good farmer. Now, Paul is not interested in farmiology 101. He, he, he really isn't. But he's using it as an analogy, as a simile, as a metaphor, as a comparison. All great preachers do this, by the way. The greatest, the king, he'd come up on a group and he'd say, let me tell you a story about a man who had two boys. What? What is this? Well, one of them was a wild and crazy guy took his dad's inheritance and split. The other one was just as far from the father, though he was at home, and, and, and you're there. You're, you're, what? Tell me more. Tell me more. All good pastors, all good preachers, they use these analogies, these similes, and you see what Paul is doing. He's saying, teacher, soldier, athlete, farmer. What in the world? Does farming have to do with the main verb of committing to others who will commit to others? I'll tell you what, thank you for asking, by the way. I love it when y'all ask that question. What does that mean, brother? I'll tell you what it means. It takes work. It just takes work. It takes commitment. Man, I was raised on a farm. I, I believe that's where... I believe that's where God instilled in me this work ethic, this desire to, to work hard. It was on a farm. Well, life on a farm's kind of laid back. That was me, country boy surviving out on the farm. And my dad worked us on the farm, and he would, he would teach us, if you want to have a crop, if you want to have a harvest, you've got to pluck those weeds. You've got to get out there, and you've got to work, son, and you've got to work hard. And I did. And I'm glad I did. I hated it back then. I was like, oh! This is ridiculous. I want to play ball. I want to play with the boys. My dad's like, get back in the garden. Okay. Get out in the garden. Then, but come time to eat, I was happy. <laughs> Amazing how that works. I'm ready to eat. Don't, don't miss this. Most important sermon I've ever preached at Great Hills Baptist Church, I chose November the 27th, 2016, Thanksgiving, when a lot of people aren't here. Some of you look at me and say, you're not too smart. That's true. I'm not. But I know the Spirit of God 
Woo, he put this on my heart. It's like you preach this. Get it out there, CrossFit, whatever you are, CrossFit is. Just make sure you tell them. Make disciples. Give it all you got, like a good farmer, work and toil. <laughs> and if they get that, if they get that, all will be well. The Lord showed me something in this text, and I want to close with this, and I, I want to be very careful in how I present this. Oh, I've got seven pages. Listen, whenever I get into seven, that's not good for you, okay? That's not good for you. Five is good for you. Seven is, is long. We get out of the Christian life what we put into it. I know this is old school. This is old school preaching, preacher. This is... The farmer works hard. He eats. The wrestler trains. He wins. The soldier salutes, does what he's supposed to do. He succeeds in battle. The teacher studies. See, so, yeah, I'm with you on all those analogies. What about teaching? That's a cushy, easy job. Really? Have you ever taught 55 kindergartners in a public school? Then tell me that's easy. That's one of the hardest jobs in the world, being a teacher. Because you not only do you have to control the, the wild youngins, you got to still know your material and present. All those things involve working hard. So I brought a couple of friends with me today. Just show y'all a couple of things. This is what I've been taking guys through. It's called Rhythms. It's a simple discipleship book where somebody receives Christ, you take them through it, you meet with them for about six weeks. It's really good. The Southern Baptist Texas wrote this. Beginning steps, this is really scaled down, put the cookies on the lower shelf kind of book. And I love this. It just talks about prayer, talks about baptism, talks about tithing, talks about the basics of the gospel. The key is you take this, you read it, and you say, hey, can I meet with you and talk to you about these things? A few years ago, we, we had so many guys doing this. We've gotten away from this, church. Don't, let's don't get away from this again. Rob Hatley told me, he says, you know, we, we've got uh, Great Hills North at Rudy's. There's so many guys meeting up there for discipleship. What a team. I tell you, you can tell me a lot of things as a preacher, but you can't tell me anything that makes me more happy than to hear things like that. Or Jason, is it Jason Mann that's meeting with all the colleges? Is he meeting with you? How's that going? He said, yeah, it's good. You know why it's good, Sean? Because it's God's Word. And God says, Jason, meet with Sean and make sure Sean grows up in the faith so he can pour into other... Can I just do a little Baptist jig? Ooh, man, that makes me happy to hear that kind of thing. You say, well, I don't know if I... I'm not a very good reader, Brother Dan. I don't know if I want to read it. Then, then this is yours. You can't go wrong with this. I don't know if he's here. I didn't know I was going to pick on him today. Where's that nice-looking guy, Tyler? Is Tyler Parsons here today? Man, God bless your soul. Tyler, what did you and I... This is a quiz. Now, this is, this is good. I had no idea I was going to do this. Tyler's sweating bullets. I'm going to let him sweat for just another minute. <laughs> come, come here, Tyler. Let me, let me talk to you just a minute. So Tyler and Kara, they're somewhat new in our church. And uh, got two kids. Got one on the way. Mm -hmm. Accepted the Lord a year ago, too? February 16th of this year. February of this year. So we met for about six weeks and discipled him. And, and before we got into this, here's your quiz. What book of the Bible did you and I read together and share together? Proverbs. It's Proverbs. And that was it. I would read Proverbs. He'd, then he, God bless you, brother. You may be seated. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So. And I'd get these texts during the middle of the week saying, what in the world does that mean? <laughs> I love it. He goes, man, I'm reading Proverbs. What did he mean by that? That is just like music to my soul. And some of you are going, well, if Tyler asked me that, I, w I might not know the answer. I've got a great answer for you. You ready? I don't know. That's it. <laughs> I don't know either. But I tell you what I do know. Is that all right? Does that set some of you free? It's like witnessing. 
Oh, if I go witness to somebody, what if they ask me a question I don't know? Say, I don't know. Good question. Jesus died for you, arose from the dead. Will you believe? That's, that's it. See, the enemy, he's crafty. Fear of failure. Ooh. And we just, we just cower down. Let's quit being cowardly. Let's be open. Let's share our faith. Let's disciple one another until Jesus comes. So, God, thank you for our time together. Thank you, Lord, for your closing appeal to the church before you ascended to the Father. Go make disciples. Thank you, Lord, for Paul, for putting it, emblazoning it upon his heart to say, Timothy, man, be a good soldier, be a good farmer, be a good teacher, be a good athlete. In that... You use all of those energies to commit to faithful men who will teach others also. Holy Spirit, I pray that as you convict and convince people of the truth of your word, that, that Lord, there, there would be hearts that are soft and, and, and malleable, and, and they would receive the, what they've heard. And, Lord, for some, it convicted them, Lord. It hurt them, and they're like, oh, and God, would you just massage that heart and just implant the Word of God and, and show them, Lord, that, that it's of you. God, if it's of me and if I've offended them, then let them forgive me. But God, if you've offended them, if you have spoken to them, then may they ask for forgiveness. Lord, my prayer is, and I pray that it always will be, lead me to the next one, O oh God. Thank you for the men I'm meeting with now. Lead me to more men that I can, I can help, Lord. I can grow. Lord, it, I know it's not a fancy way, Lord, to build a great, large, numeric church. But God, I think it's what you want me to do. I think you want me to make disciples of men who will make other disciples and women who will make more disciples of other women. Lord, during this invitation, and I'm praying for you, by the way, sir, ma'am, I'm, I'm going to pray for you right now. That if you don't know the Lord, that today would be the day that you say, God, forgive me of my selfishness, forgive me of my pride, and I'm giving my life to you. And be born again by the Spirit of God. It's a sweet, precious thing that God would lead you here today to save you, okay? Then follow him in baptism. Go to Dave Brent's class. Get with, get with Stu if you're a young adult, and Stu will help connect you to somebody who will disciple you, and Ross will do the same for older adults, and Daniel will do the same for students, and Sharon and Teresa will do the same with kids. We will help you. We will help connect you and ground you. We can give you everything except the desire to do it, and that's between you and God. So here we go. Lord, lead us to be a radiant church makes disciples who make more disciples till Jesus comes. In Jesus' name, I pray. Jana's going to lead us in a song, but before she does, let me, let me just encourage you. If you're here today and you say, man, I, I need to do this. I, I, want, I want somebody to help me make a disciple, then let us help you. Let, let one of our pastors, one of our staff, let us help you in doing that. So, Jenna, let's sing. Praise the Lord. Why don't y'all stand? We'll sing. We'll have our invitation. God bless you. This altar is open. Man, it's open for you to come, to pray, to kneel, to seek the Lord. Maybe you want to just grab somebody to come pray with you. I don't know. But God bless you as we sing, as we do business with the Lord.